Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. So leading today's very popular discussion topic is evidenced by the registration total uh, from our preferred partner at Ignite Integration Solutions, one of my favorite people within the collaborative network, Vice President Brad Ketcher. Hey, Brad. Hey, Tom. Good morning or good afternoon. Sorry. (laughs) Good afternoon to you. Uh, Extremely grateful to you, Brad, for taking time out of your busy schedule to lead today's discussion for the benefit of our members. Uh, So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the discussion, and I'm going to kick things over to Brad to take it from here. Great. Thank you. Um, So my name is Brad Ketcher. Uh, I joined Ignite Integration Solutions about three and a half years ago. Uh, Ignite was founded in 2013. And we are a software development company that focuses on the mortgage environment. Um, so half of us are business professionals, and then the other half are full-time, all U.S. domestic um, and, uh, full-time employees uh, of software developers. So what we're doing is we're trying to uh, help out in terms of automation, uh, better visibility, or better workflows within the system, and helping out with data and documents going either into uh, the LOS or out of the LOS. And uh, we've helped out many different vendors in terms of uh, creating a, a better integration. Uh, and and our goals are basically trying to help convert people into data managers instead of data gatherers. Because if you actually think of it, you have the loan officers are basically obtaining data from borrowers. Then you have underwriting and processing that's uh, curating the data. Uh, and then ultimately, you're going to be selling the data to either an investor or securitizing it. So uh, when looking at it from that perspective, we just feel like there's a way that we can kind of uh, help with efficiencies. And we have a, a, a catalog of tools. And, um, and, and at this moment, we're going to be focusing really more on funding applications and secondary marketing applications, which you see right here. Um, I'm going to present in this order. So if you're, you're um, really more focused on the secondary marketing side, I would say that we'll probably join that in about 12 minutes or so. Um, and needless to say, if you have any questions, go through the chat box and, and Tom will try to um, pepper me with, with questions whenever they exist. Uh, I'm easy to um, contact and approach. Here's if you want to take a screenshot, take uh, here's my contact information. Otherwise, you could go into LinkedIn um, and I'm, I'm pretty responsive there. Or you could go through the Ignite Integration Solutions website. So, um, yes. Yeah, as you say, Brad, and for our attendees too, we'll uh, make sure to provide Brad's contact information and part of the follow-up correspondence as well in case you have any one-off conversations that come out of the discussion that you want to broach with Brad directly. Okay, thank you. So uh, what I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to show a live demonstration through Encompass. Uh, I, I feel like that's always the best, no tricks up the sleeve, and, and this way you can see how our tools perform. Uh, and the first one uh, to review is the early payoff finder. Okay, so uh, at, at this moment, uh, that's a, a really big conversation, right? So uh, for people that are not familiar with EPOs, uh, long story short, uh, lender creates a loan, they sell it to an investor, the investor pays uh, a premium. So say like they, they pay 103 cents uh, on the dollar and, and that three cents is or 3% is a premium. So for every uh, $200,000, then the lender makes $6,000. and um, and with that, there's normally a covenant where the lender will not resolicit that bar and refinance them. And uh, normally that's, that clause lasts for about 180 days. Um, and there are occasions where like this environment where rates just plummet. So um, a lender might have, or a loan officer might have 
uh, helped close somebody, and three, four months later, the rates just went from 5% to 3.5%. And it's it's understandable that the borrower reached out to that loan officer and said, I want to take advantage of today's rates. Um, and, and from that, now it's up to the lender to evaluate whether or not um, this is at risk for an early payoff. Okay, so this is our, our EPO finder tool. I'm just going to uh, change uh, a quick number. I'll go through this of how it works in just a minute. Um, so what we're doing here is we're looking for loans that closed and we're looking at when the loan was locked, if it was within 180 days. And I could expand this to 240 days, 300 days, whatever I want. So I'm looking at loans that have closed versus loans that haven't closed and, and looking at a, a range of, of how far back the lock was. Um, we're only looking for loans in the closed pipeline right here. Um, and this way, we're not looking at adverse loans, canceled loans, withdrawn loans. Um, so this way, it's really focused in on early payoffs. Uh, and then if you look at here, we have two different loan numbers. Uh, the bottom loan number is showing estimated closing date was the end of last year. The purchase advice date happened on January 7th, uh, and then first payment date, February, and the investor. So uh, we tried to call out as many details as possible. So this way, this screen should solve a lot of the questions. You see the the borrower social numbers are identical, even though that they're different loan numbers. Uh, Co-borrower social security numbers identical. So we're looking at a number of different factors: uh, social, property address, and and a couple of more. Um, this is ex exportable, and it looks a, a spreadsheet with basically these headers and and this information. So this way, you can always save for your records, um, and and this is incredibly helpful. So uh, I look at probably half of EPOs happen within the last 20 days of the EPO period. That's my my guess. Um, and EPOs are 100% avoidable. And having the right information can save the 6,000 on that one loan or possibly, you know, if this loan, the example that I have behind you, the $400,000 loan with three points, that's over $12,000 that you would be giving up to the investor for an uh, early payoff. So um, saving one loan pays for the tool in itself. Uh, next would be uh, Secure Insight. So Secure Insight is actually a, um, a vendor, okay, that Ignite uh, has been working with for a little over two years. And they are providing a service that's very timely right now, where they are um, basically evaluating settlement agents, okay? And the um, what Secure Insight is doing is, is basically uh, looking at uh, risk category, uh, trying to obtain uh, uh, insurance information and bank information. And the reason why that's incredibly important is because there's a lot of uh, wire fraud going on right now. There's a lot of email fraud with many people working from home. Uh, the worry is that there's so many emails going back and forth. And I personally have spoken to uh, two different title companies where they had sent money to the to the wrong place, normally offshore. Uh, and and um, that's a, a high risk. So Secure Insight is basically trying to uh, avoid those risks. So I was saying beforehand that uh, Ignite tries to keep the user in Encompass rather than having multiple different um, ways of going out their business. We try to avoid emails. We try to avoid people going into websites because again, once they go into a website, they normally go into their favorite page, CNN.com or whatever it is. They see um, you know uh, some news uh, that strikes their attention. And then before you know it, five or 10 minutes goes by of them just digging into the news. Um, so by keeping the user in Encompass, now it keeps them focused keeps them efficient and um, and it, it, it's it just better all around. Um, so here we are. So this is uh, Ignite's 
creation of a vendor integration. So if I click on find settlement agent, if I know the, the specific settlement agent's secure site registration number, I could put it here, uh, or the company's entity number, and, and then I click search. Or uh, if I wanna um, do my own search, I could look at company name, the state, uh, all this information is actually coming up from the business contacts. So we're able to pull that in. If I click on search, it'll show that there are four different settlement agents for this specific company in New Jersey. Uh, if I look at Megan Cohan, if I double click on her, okay. Uh, if I double click on her, uh, then I'll, uh, I'll get a report here. Uh, I scroll down, double click. Okay, and then it's just going to my other screen, sorry. So if I zoom in, uh, you can see that uh, it's just rehashing that this is Megan Cohen, who I looked at, uh, Secure Insights risk level, whether it's uh, low, medium, high, or cautionary. Um, at the same time, it provides their insurance information, including expiration dates, uh, license information, uh, which some states require, some states do not. Uh, and at the same time, what's really important is the banking account information. Um, so if I uh, exit out of here, you can see within the e-folder that we are also saving a copy of it in Secure Insight. Um, okay, uh, right now it is, uh, today is May 14th and, I'm sorry, and the time is 4.12. Uh, okay, so you can see that this is real time, just happened. Here's a copy of the report uh, and here's uh, May, May 14th at, at 4.12 p.m. Okay, and aside from that, we're also able to pull in data points uh, into our, let's see, let me go into here. So I can pull data points uh, into our custom form. And why is this important? Because it's showing the report date. So you could actually prevent a milestone from being completed if the report date is blank. You could also look at risk level status, which is right there. Again, you could prevent a milestone from moving forward if the risk level is higher than your threshold. And aside from that, it's showing all the important data points, individual license, business license, and very importantly, the bank account information. So this is Secure Insight, uh, great product. And again, we have an integration that keeps the user within a compass. Uh, and um, let's see, and then going on to the next one. Uh, so for, uh, for funding, we have warehouse extracts. Okay, so there, um, warehouse extracts. So my, my whole thing is that uh, the question is, how long does it take your funder to create a specific warehouse extract? Does it take five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Uh, not everybody's uh, great at Excel. Uh, some people are better than others. Um, and my, my big question is, does your funder dread that single purchase in the morning where they have to spend 10 minutes just for one warehouse request? Um, and, and at the same time, let's also recognize that warehouse um, extracts, they, they require some type of calculations, right? You take the loan amount times the, the, like one minus the haircut, uh, and each loan program has its own haircuts where conformer loans might be 2%, jumbo loans might be 3%. Now QM, if it comes back, will probably be around 6%. So all those things have to be taken into consideration, which takes time. For us, we have it down to a two-click process. So the funder enters the loan, they would uh, click on here, which is basically add to batch. And then you notice that um, that the date will be changed, hit okay. Um, and then at the same time, if I, if I want, I could click on Texas Capital. And notice I have a pop-up right here. There are four loans pending submittal. Um, so in the end, my, um, our application is basically allowing the funder where they've gone into three loans prior to this and said that I want to fund this loan to Texas Capital Bank. So it's a two-click process, add loan to batch, and then when the batch is ready to be closed, just click on close batch. 
And then you receive a pop-up. Batch was closed, sent to processing, and then click OK. Um, why is this great? So Ignite keeps uh, having these pop-ups so that the user knows that the technology is working, number one. On top of that, you can see that there are timestamps. This way we know when it happened. That's great for reconciliation. Um, you can pretty much ignore all this stuff on the, on the bottom side. You just need two click buttons and then one field for, for data right back. Um, this is our dev environment, so we have a little bit more material than you need to see. But, um, but this can be placed on any custom uh, form that you already have, okay? So it doesn't have to be our custom form. Um, but in the end, it, it's, it's three uh, field IDs, and, and then uh, the funder uh, will receive a perfectly formatted CSV that's ready to be uh, forwarded to the warehouse provider. Um, most warehouse providers use WLS, uh, which is... Um, the, the street group, uh, it requires people to upload the CSV file uh, on a manual basis. They do that just because um, for, for protection reasons, they're trying to avoid people hacking into their system. Um, versus Texas Capital and First Horizon, we could deliver the uh, CSV file straight to them. Um, on the other, I also want to bring up Wells Fargo. Uh, they're, they've been a, a great counterparty of ours as well. Um, so Wells Fargo needs data and documents. and. And for us, there's really no difference. I, I know a couple of years ago, people would say, oh, I, you know, I don't want to send data and documents, but for Wells Fargo, with our technical solution, it's literally add to the batch, close the batch. We will have the data all ready to be sent and we'll have documents automatically sent to their SFTP folder uh, at nighttime. So it, in the end, we've flattened out um, the, the whole the, the process where it doesn't matter if it's data and documents or just data. Um, so that's those are a, a few great uh, pickups for the funding department. So now moving on to, yes, sorry. Hey, Brad, real quick question for you. And I think you've kind of confirmed it through the information you've laid out and just through the screen view that you're sharing right now. Mm -hmm. But um, do all warehouse line providers have the same data points that they're looking for? Uh, you know, um, excellent question. I probably should have brought that up. And uh, let's see, I didn't, here, let me bring up our catalog. So. Uh, this is uh, Ignite's catalog. Uh, anything in green is, is fully automated. Anything in blue takes one or two clicks, just like the warehouse solutions. Um, so the, the short answer is each warehouse line is different, where they might have a, a different sort of, um, they want loan number in column A versus another one wants column D and, and whatever. So, so in the end, each one has to be spec'd out differently. Uh, here it's roughly 14 are being shown. Um, but I would say that we have about 25 to 30 warehouse lines already uh, spec'd out and, and ready to be deployed. Um, so uh, again, if anybody has any questions with warehouse providers, uh, that's something that, um, we, we can get that up and running in, in very little time. Okay. Um, thanks, gotcha. Appreciate thanks. that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question. Uh, and um, let's see. So uh, moving on to uh, capital markets. Uh, so, uh, half of my career, on a personal level, half of my career has been in capital markets. Uh, it's it's a passion of mine, um, and truth be known, when I was creating uh, this presentation, that the first two or three iterations, I, I, I spent probably 20 minutes just getting into how different is today's environment versus 10 years ago. Uh, there are some similarities, but there are also some differences. Uh, one of the main differences is that there's still um, there's still warehouse capacity. Um, back 10, 12 years ago, it was really, really tough uh, where you would just go to work and, and a warehouse provider just decided to exit the mortgage business. So, um, so the reason why I bring that up is because selling to the agencies is one of the, it's, you kind of know what you're getting into. Um, you know the pricing, you know how the process works, you have a great expectation of how long it takes for the agencies to purchase the loan. Um, it's, uh, th there's a lot more clarity 
with that type of process and, and with them as a counterparty. Um, and so at this moment, I, I, I remember hearing that uh, one of the large aggregators has um, a, a large facility in India and, and with coronavirus that they were kind of, their turn times almost doubled. Um, and that creates higher um, warehouse utilization uh, that also creates higher expenses versus um, selling straight to the Fannie Mae cash window. Uh, it's just a, it's a much simpler process. The loans can be purchased in, you know, pretty much like four days. Uh, so going through in terms of Ginny May, uh, when you try to securitize uh, to uh, like using the, the Ginny May securitization vehicle, um, you have to either manually type in uh, data points of the files, or you could um, ingest a text file. So for us, we have a, a Ginny Net extract. So Ginny May's web portal is called Ginny Net. Um, so let me go into, here's a, a pipeline view. Uh, we use the commitment number as the reference number uh, for our GiniMet extract tool. And the Encompass uh, user, so probably Capital Markets, would just find our tool, GiniNet. Uh, we'll just deploy it down there. Um, when this pops up, so the user would enter the pool number or the commitment number. So here I'll just type in the, the commitment number. I'll say the coupon is four and a half, uh, settlement date, is going to be end of the month. Uh, the issue type will say multiple issuers. Tax ID, I could leave blank. Uh, issue date, I'll say is uh, this date, and then the term is 30. And then from here, I request to show loans. So in a nutshell, you could have loans that are all ready to go and basically put into a commitment. Uh, and, and our tool is just, this is just presenting the loans or showing the loans, exactly what the button says. Um, this is not a user interface, so it's not like you're going to make any changes to it. Uh, I purposely put two loans in there um, with, I, I would say, bad data, uh, just to show how the tool works. So right now you can see that almost all the, all the loans have a 5% coupon, um, but at the same time, this term is missing, which of course would never happen for a closed loan. Uh, and this is 180 uh, months for a term versus 360. So uh, in, in the end, now it could alert the capital markets person to possibly uh, take this loan out of the commitment or possibly change the details. Um, so uh, when the file is ready to go, just click on create file. Okay, and what we're doing, our technology is basically extracting the data, completely bundling it, formatting it, and making it perfect and ready to be ingested. Do I wanna replace it? Yes. And here's the pop-up. So this is what the extraction looks like. And it's just a simple text file, um, but it's incredibly important that every single character is perfect. And what do I mean by that? Is that when you securitize through GNNA, you have to send the collateral, basically the note, uh, for your custodian to review. If one character is off, then the entire pool has to be disbanded and resubmitted. So if somebody's manually typing it in and they make a typo, um, it, it's, it could cost time. And again, if warehouse lines do start crunching down uh, how much capacity is being offered, um, it, it, could, it, it could have a ripple effect. So the, the first few lines are basically uh, just terms about the pool. Um, so this is a multiple uh, single family pool. Uh, and, and then when you go down, you have um, lines one through 11. Uh, is each loan file record. Okay, so the commitment is 888. This is a multiple issuer, uh, single family, uh, and then it gets into the loan numbers and here's the, the interest rate, uh, here's a monthly payment, uh, here's the UPB and the, um, I'm sorry, this original loan amount and then um, UPB. So, and then it gets into borrower's name, borrower address. So you can notice that uh, the lines, the rows are going one, two, three, four, five, six, and then it ends and then it starts at 10, 11. Reason why is because there's only one borrower. If there are two borrowers, then you'll see rows one through 11 fully filled in. 
and then it starts all over again. Um, and uh, this is, let's see, I'm trying to see if there, we have a COBAR example. But in the end, this tool makes capital markets life so much easier uh, because we are able to export what you're trying to import into GiniNet perfectly. And when I say that, if a middle initial is off or missing, the whole pool is disbanded. Um, so for us, we will work with you to make sure that everything is absolutely perfect. So that's that's our GiniNet extract tool. Um, and, and that could be a, a true lifesaver depending on, on how this financial market uh, continues to move forward. Um, so when selling a loan to the agencies, Fannie, Freddie, or Ginny Mae, um, then, uh, then the servicing normally stays with the lender. And I, I do recognize that a year ago and a little bit prior, um, a lot of people were buying MSRs uh, and that you could have sold, depending on the FICO score and, and, and the, the loan itself, you could probably sell it to an aggregator. Um, but at this at this moment, I, I've found that the servicing is probably going to stay with the lender. Um, so what we have done uh, here at Ignite, and this is personally one of my favorite products, um, I've personally worked with four different subservicers in, in my career, uh, and and loan boarding is it's difficult. There's no question about it. They they need 300 data points plus or minus, uh, and they need a lot of translations. And what do I mean by that? That uh, a purchase cannot just have purchase spelled out or P-U-R-C-H uh, or the letter P. Instead, they want purchase equals the number one, cash out equals number three, uh, condo equals six, single family equals one. Um, so that that is like rampant throughout the full file that you have to deliver to the subservicers. So let's go a, a step further. When using the Encompass reports, you're limited to only, and I, I say this, only 250 data points uh, can be put into an Encompass report. So if you're looking for 300 fields, at a minimum, you have to pull two different reports, merge them together, and I'll go a step further, that whenever you create an Excel field uh, in an Encompass report like this, uh, so I have this as binary. So if milestone status equals, this is a, a date in numerical format, um, and then I just made a binary. So if the date equals this, then equals one or zero. Um, that takes up two columns, right? So I need one column just to show the date, and then I need another column for my translation. So just think of the Encompass reports are probably out to 400 columns, of which you're going to have to delete probably 100 columns just uh, because they're, they're part of the information. So um, what I'm what I'm getting at is that uh, it's very cumbersome on a personal level to create that spreadsheet and when you do the translations, you're gonna to have to sort by property type and then do a, like we call it manual manipulation where you're gonna to have to write over purchase equals number one, single family equals this. And then you have to resort and resort and resort. And all too many times then spreadsheets become corrupted uh, and then you have to pretty much start over. So what have we done here at Ignite? So what we've done, it's a two click process, right? We try to make things as easy as possible. So the user would click, so this is Dove and Mule, you know, DMI. So the user would uh, go into the loan, uh, and, and this is a, a custom form um, where we highlight some of the issues, and it's normally escrows um, that have the issues. So uh, if there's any type of troubleshooting when talking about long, loan boarding with the subservicer, it's normally called out right here in our custom form. The user would click here, apply Mule loan number. We have all 5,000 or 10,000 Mule numbers stored within a CDO, that's through your Encompass input form builder. Uh, and then it automatically is present right here. Uh, and notice that I we use field service.x111. We try our hardest to use as many native fields of Encompass as possible. Not We try 
our hardest not to use custom fields when we don't have to. Um, it takes a little bit more time on our side, but it's a better, cleaner build on your side. Um, so getting into a two-click process. One, click here, the subservicer number is added. Then click here, now the loan's ready to board. Uh, our applications run on a task scheduler uh, for subservicing loan boarding. Normally we have it running every hour. If you want it to run once a day, twice a day, totally fine. We could schedule it to whatever intervals you want. Data normally is not too taxing on the, the bandwidth of your internet. Um, documents are. So normally we have data that, that is being pulled and sent during the day, and then we'll have documents starting at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Um, and if, if you only have one subservicer, there's a possibility that we might be able to uh, automatically apply the subservicer number. And then once that's applied, then we automatically check this box and then the application kicks in to be that the, the shipping process is fully automated. Um, and, and that's it. We're trying our hardest for uh, as much of a solution as possible. Um, so getting back to the employee being data manager, in the end, what they would have is a, a pipeline view showing loans that have closed, funded, and that they're slated for Fannie, Freddie, Ginnie Mae, and, and they could view was that loan boarded, yes or no, and just uh, work on the outliers versus looking at every single one. Because if they were to create that massive spreadsheet, that's a Herculean effort, um, which is almost too ripe for errors. And there's nothing worse than if a, a borrower receives a mortgage statement with the wrong name, the wrong loan amount, the wrong payment. So. Um, Anyways, I, I really dived into this quite a bit. Hopefully, I explained it as well as I could. <laughs> Brad, absolutely. Um, just a quick question, kind of referring back uh, to the the warehouse offering. Um, mm -hmm. Does Ignite work with uh, Georgia Bank and Company amongst your warehouse providers? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, GBC. Yeah. Um, we have them lined up. We do. And and. Actually, since you brought that up, um, that actually rang a bell. That so I'm showing right here, Dove and Mule. Uh, again, Dove and Mule has been a, a, just a, a great like vendor partner. Um, we also have other subservicers uh, that we work with. Um, we have Senlar, another uh, mortgage collaborative uh, partner. Um, we've worked with uh, Loan Care, BSI, TMS, uh, Fiserv, FICS. So. Um, please, just because I have Dove and Mule here, it doesn't mean that we're only tied to Dove and Mule, but we have the, the integrations for uh, most of the, the, the big subservicers. Okay. Uh, and just to confirm, Brad, for all the attendees, that's going to be for the basis of onboarding loan for servicing, um, regardless of the subservicing partner, correct? Uh, so when you say that, if I'm hearing you correctly, right, so it, it's basically taking those roughly... 250 to 350 data points, perfectly formatting them and having it fully ready for the loan onboarding process. Yes. And that's data and documents. Perfect. Got it. I appreciate that clarification. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and there's a possibility that some people are uh, servicing their own loans and, and you might not even be selling to the GSEs, uh, but if you're selling to an investor that some people are, are servicing the first loan, uh, the first loan payment, second or third. Uh, and, and with that, so we created a, a merchant portal, okay, which uh, is in essence, it's, it's asking a borrower in a very, very safe, secure manner of please make this payment. And, and um, th this is the original one. So it was if you want to pay for an appraisal with a credit card, 
debit card, ACH, that's fine. Um, so it could be condo review fee, appraisal, registration fee, whatever you have. Uh, and, and that's configurable to the environment. Uh, and then we had a lender that just asked us, hey, is it possible if you can um, create a, a servicing portal? And, and we're like, you know, that's, that's a, a great idea. So we just created um, that exact request. So in the end, we're going to the um, interim uh, servicing worksheet. So if I click over here, um, this gets into uh, when the next payment period is, how much the payment is, and then we're pulling that information uh, into our servicing portal. Okay, so you'll see the information right here of next payment date and, and how much it's due. Uh, the user, well, once again, through a pipeline view, it will look at is a payment due that month? If the answer is yes, then it allows the user to go into the loan file. Um, they could type out the, the fee amount because if there's a late fee, you could add to it. If there's no late fee, you could just um, have the, the payment what it is. Uh, and, and at the same time, if you want us to add a late fee or any other expense within this, uh, we can. Uh, if the borrower is paying for it, you just click on borrower and their respective email uh, will populate right here. If the co-borrower is paying for it, you just drop down. And then this way we'll send them an email. And actually uh, I did earlier today, so our application uh, works on a, a 10 minute interval process. So just for the sake of time, um, what I did is, um, what I could do is send submit. Uh, now there's only one invoice here. So I would click on send this invoice to the borrower, click okay. Uh, and then the user receives a pop-up. As you see, like we keep having pop-ups here and there of don't worry, technology is working. Um, people want to know that technology is working and, and, and for that we do communicate. So uh, once that is sent out, the borrower will receive an email saying mortgage payment, uh, your loan is being serviced, uh, here's the mortgage payment, uh, and then click here for a secure online portal. Okay, that's going into my other screen. Um, and then when they have it fee posted on this date, uh, select which one you want to pay, which is 2896, uh, and then uh, payment information. So we can uh, work with people in terms of making secure payments and the difference of merchant portal versus servicing portal is that servicing portal only accepts debit cards and ACH will not allow uh, credit cards. If you want us to, then I'm sure we could open it up. But if you're selling a loan to an investor um, then, and you accept credit cards for payments, then that changes their debt to income ratio and that you might have a, a potential EPD issue down the road. Um, so for us, we really just wanted to limit it to debit cards and ACH. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, and let's see, so that is for the, um, that, that's for servicing payments. Okay, uh, by the way, we're, we're tied in the merchant portal. We've worked with BluePay, we've worked with iCheck Gateway, and we've worked with Authorize.net. Um, so if, if you're working with any of those three merchant banks, um, then most likely we have an integration for you. Uh, let's see, so uh, next on the list is purchase advice automation. And just in terms of time, uh, so I'll go through purchase advice automation, and then we have uh, MERS and, and then QC uh, integrations, just, uh, just to talk high level what's left. So. Uh, in terms of purchase advice uh, automation, so uh, here's the purchase advice form. It's very manual. So at this moment, there are a lot of uh, people that they have the lock desk that in the morning, uh, they're just filling out this grid. And then in the afternoon, they're dealing with locks, lock extensions, lock changes. Um, what we have is uh, we have three different batch update tools, um, each with their own purpose. So on the, the batch update tool with a file, we can allow the user on a manual basis of upload a file, uh, normally it's a CSV file, and, and then the data points we would automatically ingest into here. Um, and 
and at the same time, that template can be saved. So like PennyMac has their template, Wells Fargo has their template and so forth. Um, so we went a step further and we've made that um, automation, um, we've added automation to it. So in the end, our batch update tool, we're looking at certain folders. Okay, so we'll have the Wells Fargo folder, the PennyMac folder and, and so forth. Um, and the reason why that's important is because each one has their own spec that's needed. So our application is constantly looking and saying, wow, there's a new folder, there's a new file that was added to this folder. So therefore it's going to pick it up um, and know exactly how to operate with it. And in terms of the formattings, we could deal with CSV files, Excel files, text files, XML files, um, and PDFs. So now we did not create OCR technology, but we are paying to license somebody else's technology um, and, and it's operating perfectly. Okay, so we're, we're scraping the data and, and, um, and the way the purchase of ice automation works uh, is it's literally you just blink and then it happens. And, and I'll show you um, basically kind of like a, a, a screenshot because this is in uh, a production environment. Uh, here we go. So in the end, we're just gonna populate the fields. Uh, and um, so all these fields will be populated. If you want, we could like uh, on a static level, say fee one, fee two, fee three, and, and just like on a static level, just automatically hard press uh, certain data points. Or if you want us to read off the purchase advice and say wiring, excuse me, wiring fee or recording fee or uh, review fee, whatever it is. Like, so we could just read off the purchase device and automatically uh, persist it into its respective field. Um, aside from that, we could um, add the details here of next payment, first payment, and we'll also um, uh, push in uh, Ignite integration solutions where it's confirmed by. So this way it's accountability, um, make our application accountable. So this way, you know, on a reconciliation basis of who performed the action, and then we'll also fill in this date for when our uh, program operated, which will fill, uh, fulfill the purchase milestone and then move the loan into the completed milestone. So it's it's really robust. It's it's, it's a fantastic tool. Um, many lenders have it, and and I, I'm just hearing positive reviews about it. Hey, Brad, quick question for you. Um, you know, you just mentioned that you know your application can read PDFs. What's the accuracy level there? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I keep hearing uh, generally, right? So when, when you hear of like um, OCR technology and PDFs, you kind of hear like 85% tends to be the accuracy level. Um, ours is as close to 100% as you get. And, and the reason why I say that is because the, the PDFs that we are looking at and scraping data off of are coming directly from the investor. So they're nice, crisp, clean uh, copies of the PDF. Um, and, and the reason why that's important is because the, the, the OCR failures of reading data is because the scan was slanted, the picture was too dark, um, it was uh, crumbled up paper. We're not going to witness any of that uh, with what we're trying to accomplish. The investor is sending a, an absolutely crisp and clear document that looks just like this. So the OCR, uh, we're mapping it out where we're saying scrape this data and, and call that field 101, scrape this data and call that field 103. It's, it's perfectly clear. Uh, so this way the technology is working like as perfect as you could ask for. But that, that's a, a great question I should have highlighted. No, I appreciate that. You beat me to the punch of my follow-up, which was with the uh, kind of comparison rate was against OCR technology. So I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, and that's, I keep hearing OCR sub, somewhere around 85%. It's getting better and better over time, but it, it just needs a lot of programming behind the scenes uh, to, to, 
take care of uh, you know difficult documents to read. Um, so uh, MERS, uh, the next uh, MERS, I'll, I'll probably fly through, and, and then QC, I'll just talk at a high level. But um, so for MERS. MERS has two elements. They have the registration side, and then they have the servicing transfer. On the registration side, uh, we have two write-backs. So on one hand, we're saying, look, we sent the information over to MERS, uh, and then when there is a successful delivery, then we're coming back with data points um, from MERS. And um, let me just say that on the registration side, MERS has built out the APIs. Um, so we're able to transmit uh, information in that perspective. It's about 95 different fields. Uh, some of them need formatting, okay? And then, uh, and, and, and the reason why we're bringing back a message is because if there is a fail, now keep in mind that people have seen this loan probably a dozen times before it's even closed, um, but getting, and I, I know it sounds like a skipping record, but um, we will create a pipeline view and this way we'll convert your Encompass employees into data managers, okay? So now, they're not looking at every single loan that needs to be registered to MERS. Instead, they're just looking at the outliers. They're looking at, oh, you know, did the application run last night? Uh, is this loan, should this loan have moved forward? And at the same time, if a correction needs to be made, the application is running on a consistent, timely basis. So once that change has been made, the application will just pick it up the very next time. Um, so it, it's a, a very fluid um, a, a build on our part. So then the second part is the servicing transfer. So MERS has not built out APIs for servicing transfer. Uh, and the way their technology is built up is that a CSV file has to be uploaded to their system. And similar to the warehouse extracts that I was uh, talking about beforehand, is that we will create a CSV file for all loans that meet the requirements to be included. So this way, all the work has been done. It's a perfectly formatted CSV file that a user just kind of walks in in the morning, obtains the file, and just uploads it. So it, it just takes all the tasks out of their hand. Um, so that is MERS. Uh, and then in terms of QC, so um, we've been working with a, a few QC vendors. Uh, I just want to give a like a nice shout out to Loan Logics. That's also a, a mortgage collaborative um, partner, and we've been working with them for um, two and a half years, I guess. Uh, so we have uh, an integration where after the so in terms of post closing, so after the loan uh, the month closes out, right? So we'll pick a calendar day. So say like it's um, the eighth calendar day of a new month. So what we'll do is we'll look back of which loans funded in the previous month. Uh, we'll extract, um, uh, give or take 125 data points. We'll perfectly format it. We'll send it over to Loan Logics, uh, and then they'll come out with their percentages, 10 to 20%, depending on uh, the SLA. And then Ignite will send over the corresponding documents that night. Uh, we're big believers in sending documents over at nighttime, so this way it's less taxing on, on the internet bandwidth. Um, and we also have ways that uh, if a lender wants to select the loan for QC review, then, then it could be automatically pushed into the population versus kind of just at, at the, the whim of that percentage of 10 to 20%. Um, and, and we could also hop out with pre-closed QC. So uh, in the end, if, if you need anything, um, our, our kind of like my, my 10 second elevator pitch uh, is that we help out with automation, we help out with uh, visibility of the system uh, and, and, and data and documents going in and out of the system. And, and that's the presentation. Awesome, I'll, Brad, yeah. very succinct. <laughs> oh, sorry, did you wanna? No, I was just gonna say, I, I saw that about 100 people were on today's call. So I, I just wanna say I'm, I'm very, very honored 
uh, with the time that you spent with me and, and for your interest in our products. And I uh, just want to say thank you very much for, for the interest in, in attending today's uh, webinar. Yeah, Tom, I'm sorry. Well, clearly you're, you're hitting on some hot button topics that are uh, essential to the operation of our members. So we appreciate you taking the time and uh, the expediency of going through as much as you did through uh, you know, Ignite's integrations through Encompass. Um, I want to remind our attendees, this would be the point in time, if you've got any questions that you haven't submitted through the chat or Q&A function already, uh, feel free to do those, and I will queue those up directly for you on your behalf to Brad. Um, taking a look here, Brad, question I've got coming in. So for servicing files that can get created, what are all the investors that they work with? For servicing files. Um... So, and, and I'm, I'm, I apologize, I'm not understanding that question. Uh, so normally I look at servicing as uh, for either servicing in-house or servicing through a, a subservicer uh, and investor as being selling the loan. So if, if the question is, can you sell a loan to an investor and retain the servicing strip and then service it yourself, then absolutely uh, you can. And, and we could work with you in terms of uh, like we, we can, in the end, it would just be selling the, the loan directly uh, and, and just requesting to retain servicing. And then we can help you out with onboarding the loan to your subservicer, if, if I'm understanding that correctly. Okay, I got a little clarification there. So, in fact, it would be referring to when ser sending the full servicing file to an investor, uh, this coming from a person who does not service loans directly themselves. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, again, selling servicing to an investor. So uh, if, if an investor is trying to buy uh, the servicing rights, uh, then normally from that perspective, it's asking the servicer or subservicer for a data tape that's being sent over to the investor. Um, however, if you're capturing the servicing information uh, in Encompass or if you're capturing it uh, even with reports, we could work with you on creating a, a, like a database uh, and 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 like managing the information. So uh, I I guess there's so many different solutions that, that are going through my mind. But the, in the end, uh, absolutely, you you can create a data tape either from your subservicer or if you need our help being Ignite, we could create um, data tapes that are it's automatic. You, we could have a a button click where if you click the button, then it generates a, a data tape. Awesome. I appreciate you going through that, Brad. Um, question I actually had go, watching you go through all this. Um, to ask, what was the tool that you used to hop around, you know, between screens? Oh, this, our, our loan information panel? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. It, uh, this is like one of my favorite tools. So it, it just, it has hyperlinks. So you could just hop in or out of uh, your favorite pages. Um, it, it shows data points. So if I want to know, you know, the processor. So the good part is that it speaks to the user. So compliance would have their own, secondary would have their own processing, underwriting. So uh, it, it's whatever the user's role is, is what they see. Um, and uh, I, I'll say that if user adoption is always tough to be 100%. So if you want, you can hide it, or if you want to expose it, you can. Uh, so this is our, our loan information panel. So it's, it's great. Hyperlinks and, and data at the fingertips, getting into uh, loan visibility. But yeah, thanks. No, I appreciate you going back through that. It's pretty awesome just for thinking of the flow through a, a file and all the, the different tools that you can kind of incorporate into just one screen. 
uh, extremely user friendly. Um, another question I got coming in is uh, we have some county names that are routinely, ha yeah, routinely have been edited manually in MERS services. Uh, would the off automation that you showcased allow a way for that correction to be made? Oh, interesting. So um, we can, if, if you like, um, we, we can always, because we're going to be formatting the data. So as it's being pulled from Encompass and being transmitted during that interim process, uh, we can monitor the county and make that correction. So this way it is formatted when it receives, when it's being delivered to MERS. So yes, and I, I know, I, I kind of have an idea what they're talking about too. Awesome. And uh, so another question, I think kind of going back to the, uh, the screen layout you showed in Encompass, um, Ted, you want to know what is that underwriting and audit tool uh, at the top of the screen? Underwriting, uh, let's see, underwriting. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah. two of my favorites. So uh, Audit Explorer uh, is an awesome tool. I mean, basically it's monitoring the user level actions. Okay, so any changes to Encompass loan file is being captured regardless if the field is in the reporting database or not. Okay, so if a user changes any field, I mean, you can look at here, all these are custom fields for the most part, and they're all random. So in the S, and, and what I'm trying to get at is that why would they be in the reporting database? They wouldn't. Um, so, uh, so in the end, this is capturing all, let's say 30,000 fields plus or minus that are in your environment. And then if you want to hone it down and say, all right, so I know the field description, you want to uh, find something. So I'm going to say the field description contains, and I have different subfilters right here, starts with, ends with. Um, and if I click search, then it is, you'll see every single description has income in it. Okay. And then if I kind of like start noticing a pattern or I say, you know, it's probably the borrower's base income. So I'll just type in 101. And then this once again contains versus if I want to say starts with, uh, then now it starts with. Um, so I can, as like an admin of this tool, I can find out pretty much anything that's changed on a loan by a user. And not only that, but I could also figure out um, like, uh, so, so I could also export it. Okay, so it's showing the user's name on the right side. So if I um, shift, uh, I could highlight all these different rows. I could export it. Um, this is just an, an awesome, awesome tool. Uh, and, and this is one of the few tools that stops CTOs in their tracks at uh, LMA Experiences. Um, so this is the Audit Explorer. Uh, and, and then the other tool is the Underwriting Notepad. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of this tool. Uh, and, and the reason why is because when an underwriter comes into a loan file, they go into the e-folder and they fill out the conditions. But the problem is that most underwriters, not all, but most underwriters have a scratch pad. And they're just writing down, you know, pay stubs expire on Friday. Driver's license is uh, unclear, asked for a new one, but I don't want to hold back the loan file from closing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you have your own like mm -hmm. private notes. Uh, and, and this allows that to happen. Um, and what happens when the underwriter's on vacation, if we ever start getting on vacation again? Um, what happens if the underwriter is sick? <laughs> what happens if the underwriter leaves the company? So then the substitute underwriter enters the loan. And the only thing that they're aware of are the conditions, but they know in the back of their mind that something else might exist. So this tool allows for a substitute underwriter to come in, look at the conditions, look at the notepad, and just say, you know what, I'm able to clear this loan file in 30 minutes versus a re-underwrite for an hour and a half, two hours. 
uh, and then start clearing conditions. And the way this tool works is you could you could create import lists. There, it, this is incredibly simple to create. Okay, so right now I have uh, you can make a conforming loan, FHA loan, V loan. You could have Michael's list, Suzanne's list, whatever you want. So if I click on FHA loan and I say, you know what, these three apply, this one does not. Hit OK. It automatically drops in. It starts off as an X, and then as you clear it, you just click, and then the click turns into a check mark. You make a mistake, or maybe that document expires, just click again. So we solve for the happy path and the not so happy path. Um, and then when you click here, you could add notes, okay, whatever you want. And if you want to add a lot of notes, just click on, on the, the three dots, the ellipse, um, and then you could kind of write a novel if you want. So. Um, so in the end, I'm a big fan um, because this tool just allows to know truly what was going through the underwriter's mind. Uh, it also helps out with compliance where a year from now, you could, you know, hopefully you don't, but if you have an EPD, you can kind of go back and say, you know, did they look at this for the debt to income ratio? And they might have, and they just, you know, mistakes happen. So, so anyways, this is, this is great. Thank you. Whoever asked that question, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Brad, for going through that. Um, Reminder to our attendees, getting close to top of the hour, so I'm calling last call for any questions that people still have. We can uh, facilitate those to Brad. Um, I've got another one that came up here. You know, just, I guess, well, there may be a little bit of a variance here, but um, curiosity from a lender perspective in getting set up uh, to work directly with Ignite you know, what would be kind of the average length of time uh, for a lender client to get set up and go live with Ignite? You know, understanding that probably fluctuates a bit based on the depth of functionality that they're looking for. It does. Um, so uh, interesting question. Thank you very much again for the, for the question. So I, I always say that we operate as fast as a client. Okay. So from that perspective, I, I already have a, a folder of vendor management documents. So if, you, if you're interested in something and then you say, oh, can you send me your insurance, your W-2, your uh, art, like accounting information, whatever it is, I, I have it at my fingertips. So I can send that over to you immediately. Um, and in terms of a demonstration, uh, I'm here to make you comfortable with our technology. I'm here to make you comfortable with Ignite. Um, I, I understand technology is one of those, you know, um, so to speak, like intimate things where it's if we're in your environment, you want to make sure that our products are going to work. So our normal protocol is we really want to deploy it to your test environment first. We want to make sure that it, it, it sits well, it fits well, uh, and that you that it's solving the solution that you're looking for. Um, because if it's not, then it, it's not a right fit. So, um, but at the same time, I will say I, I've yet to see somebody scale back on a deployment. And if there are some environments are very unique and will work, all the products that are created are by our developers. So if there's something that is not fully functioning in your environment, our developer could probably figure it out and, and they have. Um, so that's, that's a really key part. We're not reselling other people's technology. It's all built by us. Um, which means, and I, you know what, I, here's an, another you know, kind of like sidetrack. There's a huge difference between customization and configuration. Okay, custom work is built only for your environment. And that sometimes it's a little pricey and sometimes it's not expensive at all. It depends on the custom work, but custom means it's built for your environment. Configuration means that it can be changed a little bit and 
almost all of our tools have configuration capability, which means that it's scalable within your environment. So if I go into Encompass and I take out our loan information panel, which is right here, um, in the in the on the left side are all the personas, okay? On the right side is what the data attributes are. So right now I have the compliance one up. So if I click on compliance, you'll see Secure Insight, Hawk Automation, Warehouse. So Secure Insight, Hawk Automation, Warehouse. I could add a field, I could add a hyperlink, I could delete. It's that simple to manage. And as I scroll down my personas, if I add a new persona, it's scalable. It's not one size fits all. Um, our auto role assignment, our auto condition manager, it's all scalable. Um, today, you might be only a conforming and jumbo lender, and then tomorrow you might do VA and IRRLs and you know anything else. Our, our products are normally scalable and configurable to your environment without any extra charge. It's the user interfaces are, are, are pretty much the norm for what we have. Awesome, appreciate that, Brad. Yeah. Um, as we get to the top of the hour, we're going to wrap up here. I've got uh, one last question I'm able to provide real quick. Um, I want to first off thank you for you know plugging a bunch of different industry service providers throughout the course of um, the demonstration that you showed within Encompass, many of which are TMC preferred partners. But say I'm a service provider that's not currently working with Ignite, but I see the opportunity to. Um, who would be the point of contact at Ignite to start that conversation up? Um, it, it would be me. So I'm, I'm uh, head of, I know, it's like, so I, I'm basically, my role is I'm, I'm business development, but I'm also a client relationship manager and, you know, a, a huge promoter of Ignite. I, I think that the staff that we have here uh, is fantastic. So allow me to be your point person. And, and, um, and for I've, you know, I literally, I just, I have an engagement yesterday uh, with a, a vendor that wants to move forward and they want things seamless. We could work with you on, on the APIs. We could build your APIs. Um, we can work through the SDK. However, you, we can provide options. Uh, our whole thing is that we know mortgages really well. We know uh, technology incredibly well and we're very, very fluent with Encompass and we're very familiar with LendingQB. So from a vendor perspective, and many times it's the lender saying, hey, can you make this process better and easier with this vendor? That's how most of the vendor leads uh, come our way. But we've helped out so many different uh, vendors in terms of just a, a flawless execution and, and a way for the Encompass user to stay within Encompass. Awesome. I appreciate that, Brad. It was not intended to be a softball by any means. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Well, on that note, I uh, first I want to I really thank you. Um, this is an invaluable uh, display that you shared with us today, and very timely information to go through. So, really do appreciate it. Um, and I know there was a question or two that we didn't get the chance to cover, so I'll make sure to facilitate that with Brad, uh, so that we can provide some response information back out to. Uh, those attendees as well. But uh, thank you everybody for joining us again today. Not lost on us, uh, you know, how busy your days are. So we appreciate you spending it with us. And again, thank you, Brad, and uh, hope everybody enjoys the rest of their day. You too. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you everybody for For, for more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.